This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com. This podcast often contains controversial or mature topics. You have been warned. Welcome back to the Raygun Readers Travel Blog. Travel Vlog. What's it called when it's just an audio blog? Travel Aug. Aug. Travelog. Travelog. Travelodge. Broadcasting <laughs> from the Galactic Travelodge. No, no, no. Don't say that. That might be patented. <laughs> Galactic Travelodge is patented? I don't know. Maybe. Galactic. You mean trademarked? <laughs> uh, uh, maybe an audio log is just called a log. It's, it's, called, a, it's called a blog because it's a boring log. A boring old log. Mm-hmm. It's a bolog. It's a it's a bolog. That's a, that's offensive to bologs. <laughs> a lot of my friends are bologs. <laughs> bologs are just. But how can you be friends with them? They're just the worst. Well, I mean, some of us look beyond species-based prejudices. Well, thankfully, we've been away from the bologs for at least a week, uh, two weeks now. We've been away from everybody for two weeks. What what was your favorite part about where we went? Um, the oh, I had a name for them, and I <laughs> forgot it. The, um, you named you discovered them. That's why you have a name for them. They didn't um they weren't previously named yeah, by the, any the, computer the, system. The um the yeah no yeah I did they were um randomly I randomly select selected the name um the Carlods. Which are species indigenous to nebulas, and that's, where we were vacationing. How, um, how traditional of you to name something you've discovered after yourself? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> no, this name was completely random. The the Carlods are um, are uh, actually pretty interesting species because they they speak through Vli and they have a very interesting accent. They speak through Vli. Yeah, they're vibrating Vli in their... I suppose you could call them faces. Pray tell what a V-Li is. Uh, vibrating hair. Oh, you mean like silica? Oh, am I am I saying the wrong thing? <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> or flagella, I guess. Flagellum. Oh, any of numerous minute elongated projections set closely together on a surface, typically increasing its surface area for the absorption of substances. Huh. So they they don't talk through their absorption of substances. <laughs> they talk through their suction holes. <laughs> In the melodious cacophony <laughs> that words cannot describe. <laughs> that might have been when we split up because I don't remember anything you're describing on my vacation. <laughs> What? I thought you were with me the whole time. Uh, I mean, there was one Did point. Did you create a surrogate again? No, no. You can't how, do that, man. How dare you? That is a baseless accusation. I would never create a surrogate that when would ruin our apart? friendship. At that one point where we split up because, I mean, we didn't. you have this annoying habit of, like, I'm walking in front of you, and then you just peel off and don't tell me. And then by the time I look around, like half an hour's passed, and I don't see you. And so you just decide to send in your robot with a jetpack to find me? I mean, I'm not going back. I got a vacation to be on. 
<laughs> now, when what I saw, I love how you think I'm running away from you when you're sleeping on a beach. I I didn't think you were running away. I think you were just aimlessly wandering away from you while you're sleeping. Yes. Okay. Okay. I mean, I told you know, there's, the buddy system exists. Okay. For a reason. Yeah, the buddy system is for people who are aware that they have a buddy at the time that the buddy is there. I can be aware of you when I'm sleeping. It's a deep meditative trance. <laughs> Fueled by pina coladas. Anyway, welcome back to Raycon Readers. Uh, uh, we've been out of the game for a while. <laughs> episode something. Oh, uh, yeah, we, we were gone for a week. And then we were sick and busy for the next week. No, no, no. We were in a nebula bullshit. the entire time. You can have nebula sickness. Yes, nebula sickness. Nebula sickness. It's a it's very out-of-body experience. We got to get ourselves checked out. You basically, it's kind of like astral projection where you watch yourself thrown up in a toilet. But it's contagious. <laughs> the, the throw up in the toilet is contagious. <laughs> Sexually transmitted astral projection. I just have this image of someone coming in on their friend and throwing open a toilet. Get out of here, it's contagious. <laughs> and then they run to the, the sink and they start throwing up. And then the third friend comes in and they have to run to the, to, to the bathtub. <laughs> Get out, it's contagious. And then all of them are so confused because they're just watching themselves do it from yeah, afar. Yeah, and they can't do anything about it. It's a, nebulous sickness is a terrible, terrible thing. Oh... Well, I hope that elongated cold open was good for everybody. Uh, so we are going to We're pick reading up, a story about we're rebirth. Picking up the rebirth saga again. And as I remember, there is an old man who is now, who lives in a world. Oh, well, they, they, they know all this stuff. Well, they, hopefully they do. If you don't know what we're talking about, this is a multi-part series. I'm going to make a playlist um, but yeah, go check our past episodes to get caught up because at this point we really can't recap right. anymore. No, give a 10 second recap of me. A person gets cryogenically frozen and a thousand years in the future wakes up to find that most of humanity is hooked up to a virtual reality simulation run by a gigantic computer server and is trying to figure out what happened. That was over 10 seconds. Yeah, well, you know what? That's the last one I'm giving. Y'all don't well, get any more synopses. About, you, got, you forgot about the part about the, the, the sex robot psychiatrist. That's my favorite part. So maybe I don't want to shove it into my brief synopsis. It's everyone's favorite part, let's be honest. Um, they, well, anyways, he's coming back into the real world, uh, which apparently is no longer the real world because nobody really wants to be there anymore on Earth. And his his he's remote controlling a a pretty robot lady from his brain. <laughs> from his brain so yeah um again just listen to the old and episodes. the name of this chapter is chapter 13 over nine thousand. needs no introduction and no explanation yeah um possibly rachel folded her arms stop checking for cables or plugs coming from your head it's all wireless baby we don't need physical links for something as low bandwidth as vr you're telling you are telling me that I've been having a low bandwidth experience, but the detail was incredible. How is that possible? For humans to be unable to discern nearby pixels as separate, they have to be at a smaller angular distance than your eye's angular resolution. That is about one sixtieth of a degree. 
You have a field view under 190 degrees horizontally and 130, 130 vertically. 11,400 by 7,800 or 88.92 million pixels. You can't really process more than 300 frames per second. The total for the visual layer is thus 26.676 billion pixels per second. The human eye can only distinguish about 10 million colors, but there is an extra data beyond colors, so 256 bits per pixel works fine for a grand total of, wait for it, (laughs) 6.829 trillion bits per second, and are you impressed yet? That's just a visual layer, but it's the largest amount of data. It's not exactly pixels, but that's the best analogy you understand. For the average adult human, the skin has a surface area between 1.5 to 2.0 square meters. People can feel up to 1 millimeter differential. That's up to 2 million touch points. Sound, smell, and taste have negligible bandwidth in comparison to actuality. Everyone falls before the sensory thresholds, and of course we have advanced compression reduced by over 90%. You, for example, use averages under 520 gigabits per second for all sensory data. Upload needs much less, even before the 20s. Short-range Wi-Fi standards were reaching 28 gigabits per second. It took much more time to develop the correct interfaces and coding for direct neural simulation. We already had the wireless transfer technology decades earlier. That was... I couldn't even make any jokes out of that. That was just... Thank God. Were you trying to... So the point I'm making is... that for me? That was a lot of numbers, um... I encourage someone else to read that and kind of deconstruct it. Well, maybe you can help out. What exactly uh, is binary algorithm trying to get across by this? Uh, it was it was a lot of numbers and figures regarding. Well, I don't know because by the end I was con- that you 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 lost me. <laughs> um, let's see. Yeah, skim it. It's basically breaking down the amount of data the human body processes through um, physical stimulation and translating that to um, computer data. And if you are feeding someone in VR data, apparently it's low bandwidth because the human body or the human mind rather can only process so much. Like we can't see beyond 300 frames per second or we can't distinguish much after that, I think is the point. Um, Not sure how I feel about just putting... All these in? Well, I mean, that's some people enjoy that. I mean, that's, that's part true. of it's a that's part true. of sci-fi to you develop the world that you're in. Um, and it is, I guess, backing up um, this kind of nebulous. We, we were talking earlier about how this VR world was a little bit nebulous, and how there's just a lot of abstract concepts being thrown out. And this does kind of ground it a bit, so I can definitely appreciate it for that, even if it is a bit thick and, um. A little bit hard for me personally to decipher. I, don't, I mean, there's much more intelligent people out there than Okay, than me. so um, compression. So okay. they're saying all of these pixels, right? So, you, But you can compress, compress it down because humans don't actually sense all of that data. Oh, okay. So, um, but I mean, that's still like... Oh, actually, okay. a ridiculous amount of data per person. So... That makes sense. Still I'm- a lot of advanced computer work. So I don't, I mean, it's I, still supercomputers at work. What I mean. I can understand it actually through this metaphor because I'm all about music. Uh, not metaphor, analogy. Compression. Uh, yeah, like you can tell the difference between an MP3 and a WAV file because an MP3 will sound quieter. There will be, like, you'll hear less of the instrumentation in music. You'll hear less things going on because it's compressed. Uh, and if anyone's so, ever like made content on YouTube, if you upload a file, a video to YouTube, it will sound 
a lot quieter she, yeah, because she's just YouTube is compress compressing. Describing it. digitizing uh, sensory data. So I imagine when he goes outside, he's going to go, Whoa, I can feel colors now. <laughs> I can feel colors. Because he can just feel everything again <laughs> and see more than 256 bits per of color or whatever it is. Maybe. Maybe. So let's read on. You know, oh, you're not going to keep reading? I thought you were just so excited with that last bit. Do you want me to finish this whole one out? No, no, no. It's fine. I will read my, my paragraph in between. That was pretty amazing, Arthur thought. So then what would high bandwidth application look like? <gasps> I'm kidding. If you want to talk about high bandwidth usage, then you're talking about the digital population since they operate on a different time scale than you do. However, they are also usually all together in the same physical hardware with the groups they interact with most so. Ooh, so they probably go a lot faster. With the groups they interact with done. most so it's all in one place and you don't need nearly as much transfer speed between servers. There's plenty enough to shift one subjective consciousness around. The system core, on the other hand, has to pull summary data from over a trillion digital people across the world. One uh, who might generate as much as 100 trillion bits per second each of raw data. That is something like a 1 followed by 26 zeros. Is that a Google? No, a Google's a lot bigger than that. Never mind, sorry. I've no idea how much it filters out, but even a small fraction of that would overwhelm any individual server cluster that I'm aware of. I'm sure it also splits up the work somehow as well. But the whole thing is a black box to me and most everyone else not directly involved with its operation. But I thought she was a... a a computer program that understood everything. Mm, but that doesn't mean she's given all the information. So she's basically saying, high bandwidth is high bandwidth. I don't know what it is. Well, she's saying that there's higher bandwidth between kind of LAN networks, I guess, because they're on the same server. But the total amount of bandwidth going around is some um, incomprehensible number. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But she doesn't know how it works. That's what I mean. She's not allowed to know how it works, I think. The numbers were overwhelming. Ooh, my computer. My my uh, space computer just fell asleep. Oh, no. The numbers were overwhelming. And in, indeed, almost unimaginable amounts of data. As Rachel might say, that's progress. <laughs> wow, that was a really easy chapter for me. Yeah. If you wanted to take that very long, uh, number-filled... No, I'm good. ...chunk, I'll let you have it next time. Next. And I don't, I don't want anyone to think <laughs> that I was... talking about Villa. <laughs> I don't want uh, anyone to think that I was demeaning that paragraph. I just, um, as far as like exposition goes, there wasn't much in there, so I wanted to just get through it. But I do encourage you to read that and kind of look at those numbers and statistics for yourself. If you enjoy that sort of thing. Yeah, and I, I mean, you're right. People do. Some people do enjoy that. Chapter 14, Villa. Villa, Latin for house. Not um, well. No, that's that's not true. Not to be confused with villi, which are any numerous, minute, <laughs> elongated projections set closely together on a surface, typically increasing its surface for the absorption of. Call them suck holes. In particular, talk about the suck holes. <laughs> <laughs> so villa, which is Latin for oh, it's like a state house. Because a villa is a nice bigger than just a regular house. house overlooking the beach, I imagine. Uh, usually a villa was um, a a house where rich Romans would go like to summer not houses. be in Rome. They're yeah, a rich estate, a rich mansion. 
with a farm around it and vineyards and shit. Arthur began to think about what the system core, with its ridiculously unimaginable bandwidth, might be up to. Its avatar said they were monitoring him. It was a bit creepy. Before he could go too far down that train of thought, he was interrupted by the opening of the single door in the room he was in. You wanted me to see what's outside VR, right? You'll be able to see plenty just outside this door. That's right. What the heck is out there anyway, Arthur thought. He stepped through the portal. Bright light hit his eyes and he covered them for a minute, slowly peeking out as they adjusted. A well-lit cityscape lay before him and it appeared to be nighttime. He couldn't yet make out many details, but the room he had just left was on top of some kind of larger structure that afforded a wide view of, the most, of most of the buildings. He turned to one side and notice that humans are no longer born. They are grown. <laughs> he turned to one side and noticed that it wasn't a structure at all, but terrain. The small building house housing his cryopod was apparently resting on a hillside. The immediate area was covered in greenery with trees interspersed throughout. He estimated a few square miles. The remainder was covered in endless rows of smaller structures, although it wasn't immediately obvious what their purpose was since they were hard to make out, make out in the dark. Really, they don't sort of stack these people in in tiny apartment spaces. Yeah. He's just uh, one, he's just basically in a shack on a hill. Interesting. I wonder why... Or if that was just overlooked. Hmm. Why are we out in the middle of nowhere? I had the pod relocated okay. from the storage vault okay. underground. I thought you might like your first outdoor experience to be more outdoorsy. Breathe some fresh air, you know? The city lights are far away and set low because your eyes are fine. Although your eyes are fine, your brain isn't used to processing them. Full sunlight would have caused you a plenty, a pretty bad headache. If you're wondering what all of those things are around us, it's just solar panels. They'll absorb some residual light, but aren't doing much until daylight comes. It's not necessary to cover every bit of the planet since, on balance, there's too much power generated already. I am sure a use will be found for it at some point. The upside of that is having your own little land plot here. I studied your aesthetic style when building in VR and then read up uh, on a few hundred designed books. The result is a set of gardens that I think you will enjoy. Shall we take a walk and stretch those legs? So there. He walks out and she immediately just makes him a garden. He doesn't, doesn't he want to see how the world is? Yeah. She's going out of her way to make him very comfortable. Well, I mean, that's her purpose, right? Uh, but remember that she was opposed to all this and then the system core kind of reset her and now she's being overly cooperative. I'm still very suspicious of this. Uh, this whole story, it feels like it's kind of a waste of time to be suspicious because, like, anything could be happening. They could still be in the Matrix. They could, you know. True. I mean. We don't know yet. I mean, they have control of his body entirely. They could have killed him. They could do whatever they want with him. Which I'm not minding that mystery. I'm just kind of it's voicing my suspicions. Everything is, uh, any number of things could be happening. Arthur saw no reason not to... Arthur saw no reason not to and took a deep, slow breath in and started to walk beside Rachel. The temperature of the air was mild, not cold, and it helped him become a bit more alert. It was also sweet, a strange blend of floral tones and spices. It, was it cinnamon or anise? Maybe a bit of both? 
was whatever it was, it was a bit intoxicating and he found himself very relaxed. So much so that he almost lost his balance and had to remind himself to make more deliberate steps until he was used to walking again. Hmm. They're drugging him. See, they I mean, like he could be in the Matrix and they could be drugging him right now. Yeah, just overloading his senses. I don't know. Rachel glanced over but didn't comment on his near fumble. They entered what seemed to be the central garden or main focal point. The property was lighted, but in much more elaborate ways than simply white or yellow floodlights. Practically every color was used somewhere to great advantage, highlighting or in some cases contrasting the color of a bush, tree, or flower bed. The first is an adaptation of a French formal garden. I know that you appreciate symmetry and geometry, so I thought it would make a good centerpiece. Hmm. That's thoughtful. Arthur nodded, amazed at the level of detail in both the sculpted plants and the tiled artwork on the ground. It was hard to take in and appreciate all of it at once, so he stopped frequently to examine particular interesting pieces. Rachel waited patiently or walked leisurely, giving him some moments to himself. He tried not to think, but rather to sense an experience and few words were exchanged until they arrived at a gate leading to an area with a wholly different design premise. Just something interesting here. What's that? Everything was designed. Mm-hmm. Everything was designed for him. It probably took no work. So, I don't know. If I were in his position, I wouldn't really get any joy out of looking at some of these artistic garden pieces, garden sets. Well, does he not feel different because it was designed for him and not by him? Maybe, yeah, for sure. But like, the, what about the work that goes into making art? Uh... How often do you think... It's just an observation, that's it. I mean, I, I, I don't think... I'm not making that conclusion, personally. Oh, is it my turn? Yeah. It was immediately recognizable as a Japanese rock garden. The gravel, carefully woven around various objects, including rocks and statues, some were recognizable as animals, while others were almost abstract hints at a possible form. Further in, water circulated around a large gazebo with several wooden bridges connecting it to the rest. Arthur found a bench there and decided to sit for a bit. Rachel lay down on a, a on the adjacent bench. I think that means Rachel laid down on an adjacent bench. Or Rachel was laying down on a... Whatever. Uh, staring up at some decorative carvings in the roof. This prompted Arthur to do the same after noting how ridiculously comfortable the bench cushion made of some unknown material was. He breathed out slowly. How do you like my work? Rachel asked casually after several minutes of calm silence. It is pretty glorious, I must say. It is certainly relaxing. How long did it take to make all of this? A few hours for the design and a few hours for construction once I sent it out. I delegated the actual construction of it naturally, but there is one thing Builder AIs are good at. But if there is one thing Builder AIs are good at, it's following schematics. Hmm. I love it when I make a schematic for my garden. It's the most (laughs) therapeutic thing ever. (laughs) Well, hmm. Uh, Is there much to take away from this chapter? Not really. It's just uh, it does it does kind painting of a, painting a picture of a perfect world. It kind of feels like stalling. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't know if that's intentional, because if I were Arthur, and I just had my you know 
allegedly real awakening into the real world outside of VR, and I'm in the real I'd world now. I want to meet people. I want to start exploring and not be like, oh, right, the lush luxury of the future where everything's perfect. Like, he was just trying to get away didn't, from that. Didn't um didn't they say there were people outside in the real world that chose to live that way? Yeah, not a lot, but yeah. That's what I would want to. That's what I would want to see. Yeah, it's. Uh, I almost feel like this is an intentional stalling tactic. For sure. So let's see in the next chapter. Called Ghost Town. Ooh. Kinky. There was a garden that was essentially a stone pathway through dense trees, and another with a more modern layout. He still favored the Oriental Garden most, but decided it was good to explore different things, and there was something to appreciate in all of them. When the tour was concluded, Rachel looked toward the valley where the city was. I guess I did all of this to emphasize the base reality can be made into your concept of beautiful. It doesn't have to be like the city. I know you were fond of urban environments. Truthfully, we could tear it all down, and it would have little impact on anything except that a few people prefer to live there and have requested it to be preserved for them. Most Most that thought of it as home originally, have moved on because while the buildings remain, the spirit of the city just isn't the same without all the people. This feels like she's describing heaven now. Kind of. But then, yeah, there's that old question of what is perfection and is it actually perfect? It looks pretty far away. I don't suppose we're going to walk there. Naturally, no. I've arranged for transportation for us. An object about the size of of a car could be seen swooping in from behind a tree, pushing a fair bit of air around as as evidences by the tree nearby, but making very little noise. It had two turbines in front of the passenger area, to the left and right, facing upwards. It also appeared to have two more turbines behind that, but facing backwards. The combination seemed that it would generate both lift and thrust, but there was, there were some other airfoils and control surfaces that would, that would have combined in two in ways that were not immediately obvious. It landed so gracefully and quickly that Arthur had no concerns about its flight worthiness, as there were currently no passengers in the compartment. Or should it be more appropriately called a cockpit, such as in such a flying car, like vehicle? He could only imagine that an AI was piloting it. The door nearest them glided upward smoothly to open. Rachel scooted over on the single seat the width of the cabin, and Arthur did the same. It was uncomfortable, but there was no dashboard or instrument panel to be found. Arthur reflexively went to pull his seatbelt, but found that there wasn't one. He looked around on his sides for something to strap in, just in case it wasn't in the traditional place. Oh, we don't use those anymore. First of all, these can handle in any weather, including a hurricane. Second, we can predict the weather with near-perfect accuracy. Finally, we can stabilize most most weather systems. Oh, gosh. So, I thought in perfecting the virtual world, they had only perfect the virtual world. So now they have flying cars that work no matter what. And... Uh, complete ability to manipulate reality as well. Not to manipulate, to predict. Predict and manipulate, the way she manipulated the gardens. Into anything they wanted. They preserved the cityscape because they were asked to, and that's it. Remember? 
Yeah, but that infrastructure was already in place. Finally, we can stabilize most weather systems and temperature differentials before they become an issue. In any, so now they can literally affect the planet's weather. In any case, if, there are, if anything were to begin, a crash trajectory nanobots on the ground would immediately create a safety platform to absorb the impact. As it stands, this model has a perfect track record across billions of trips globally. Oh, well, that's nice to hear. So it has a five-star crash rating, huh? <laughs> Rachel rolled her eyes. It didn't take long at speed to reach their destination. The car landed in what looked like a transport hub of sorts near the center of the city. Bus and rail lines lay dormant. There was also a large airport nearby, but something was off. While the area was lit, brightly to Arthur's sensitive eyes, there was no sound to be heard except his own breathing. For a city this size, there should have been traffic or else some other noises. He thought about what he had been told and realized why. The city was nigh abandoned. A similar-looking vehicle, but without turbines, pulled up adjacent. They were transferred between vehicles. I figured you'd want to drive around and tour the city and tour the city a bit instead of flying, since it's more familiar. At least there is no traffic to contend with. Arthur was shuttled around various main streets and highways at a fast clip. The buildings and their signage looked authentic, though he knew there wasn't anyone around to provide any of the services advertised. Banks were obviously irrelevant. Who needed the Greater Nevada Credit Union or HSBC now when money was a non-issue? He was sure that any restaurant food could be replicated for him, but there was no need for any of them except perhaps the inside decor and ambience. He called the he recalled the Black Bear Diner, a chain where he could order a huckleberry malt with extra malt naturally. He might have he might have to have one of those later, but for old time's sake. The casinos were still there mostly. Peppermill, Grand Sierra Resort, and Atlantis, his personal favorite. They had the best gelato. Naturally. Naturally. The nugget had apparently gone out of business and there was no and was nowhere to be found. All of these buildings, seemingly held as, as historical monuments to the city of Reno, were unnecessary, he realized. Any of them could be experienced in VR and tuned to their users' wishes. Hmm. I have some thoughts, but I think I want to save them until after the chapter. Okay. Rachel broke the silence. The entire city has been mapped and converted to VR like all other man-made structures. Once the final person gives up their lock on the physical city, which is projected to happen within the next 10 to 15 years, the entire thing will be demolished and replaced with solar panels, most likely as it will no longer be wanted. Most of the residents are experiencing it already in VR, and that is where the city really lives. I suppose, Arthur began, it doesn't really matter where there is a virtual copy somewhere. It's not like the information or history of the, pla of the place is lost. The physical city already is dead, which, which is apparent to me. There's no utility in keeping two copies forever. Hell, you could probably copy it back from VR to here if you really wanted to, assuming there was a reason to. Easily. And that concludes chapter 15. In the world where everything is possible. So, it's clear that a big theme here is the struggle of humans' concept of 
what is good and ideal against simulated perfection and Mm -hmm. just what perfection might look like and how unappeasing and unsatisfactory that really would be. Because, I mean, listen to you and I. We're hating how perfect this place is. Yeah. Like, you know, what's the point? Why are we even being shown it? Let's, you know, where's the adventure happen? Let's meet some... Well, it's not just more... It's not just the adventure. It's the drive to do anything. And, you know, she she comes up with, you know, uh, scientists create in virtual reality and study the mysteries of the world. But what's, like, even the point if you don't even live in the world anymore? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why bother? I don't, hmm. I mean, this 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 series is still going. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be a 90-part series or something close to that. Wow. So, undoubtedly, he's going to find some flaw. Undoubtedly, they're going to stumble upon some other humans who are like, you know, th- th- things are not what they seem. Well, that's what, where we think the story's going. Maybe it just stays perfect. And it just, that in, in itself is innately horrific. Maybe. I mean, that would drive me crazy. And maybe it drives uh, him crazy. It arcs me, that's for sure. Yeah. And and this is the cool thing about this story and binary algorithms writing is that he often predicts what we're going to talk about and ask questions for and then surprises you or straight up answers it right as you're thinking it. So um, I'm not deterred by this at all. I think it's intentional. I could be wrong, but I do think that this uh, this unyielding perfection is supposed to irk Arthur as much as it does the reader over time. He of, doesn't seem very irked. He seems very understanding overall. Well, I mean, he does have a companion, and he is kind of an open-minded individual, so I think he's kind of going along for the ride right now, and is just excited to be moving at all outside of VR. Yeah, that's true. So, I don't know. I don't know, man. Arthur, you're in hell. It's all a trick. Get it's out. It's all a clever ruse. Get out. Right. Well, that is all we have for today. This was a short episode indeed, but uh, really enjoying the Rebirth Saga. Glad to be back in it. Um, maybe- We're still dealing with the um, the the repercussions of... Nebula sickness. Nebula sickness. I'm so currently watching myself... Give us a little bit of time. Throw up over a balcony right now. and uh, I'm not impressed with how I look. I definitely need to work out more because you got to look good when you're throwing up. And I see myself throwing up all over the astral projection of Abysme. (laughs) Just, you know, I just, that's what I see happening. (laughs) That was intentional, I'm sure, on your part. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) This is all, I'm not in control of myself right now. No, that's exactly what you said in Space College. (laughs) And uh, I didn't believe it then and I don't believe it now. You know, you have all this space to throw up on, but you somehow find me. And you gotta blow galactic chunks everywhere. Because you can't hold your space booze. Well, turn off turn off gravity, and then we can just collect all the vomit in the middle and eject it. No. Feeling peckish this midnight? Sate your appetite for terror, and reserve your ears for a feast of the sound. The Midnight Marinera podcast is here for you, intrepid listeners. We sample only the finest in sinister stories and, coating them with our own unique spooky sauce, present them to you as eerie audio dramas. Tune in twice monthly 
is midnight very near it, seeing shivers of fear and spasms of laughter through you. Bon appétit. <laughs>